Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman and I am your host. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry and walk through their story of how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe on Apple Podcast and share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague who you think will get some value from it. And also, if you're really feeling special, take the time to review Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts. That'd be greatly appreciated. Other than that, on to today's episode. I'm sitting down with Tim Bear. He is the Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder of Spherical Media, which is a video content agency that is really built to tell impactful stories. They're headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina, but they've worked with some very powerful brands across the country. So Tim and I are going to sit down and just chat about how he really shifted from the nine to five type of role into starting his own company uh, with a group of other co-founders. This company is amazing. They've done some great things in Charlotte and across the country, as I just mentioned. So I'm confident that Tim's really just going to lay down a lot of value today. Other than that, thanks for taking the time to tune in to this week's episode of Next Level Minds. And as we like to say here, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Tim, I appreciate you hopping on the Next Level Minds podcast. How's the day going so far? Pretty good. It's sunny and uh, clear skies here in Charlotte, so I'm I'm quite happy. It really is, and I think you and I have had this plan for for quite a bit, (laughs) so I'm really pumped for sitting down here today. I know. We sat down, I think, like March 5th, like 10 days before COVID craziness hit, and we were like going to meet the next week and do this. Uh, I appreciate your patience going through this. I know getting away from the office and you've been still diligent in doing them remotely, um, but I'm just glad you were able to come into our space now that we're finally back open. Yeah, that was the thing because when I was trying to get this arranged, it was like, hey, we could do it virtually, but I was like, nah, I definitely have to sit in y'all's studio because there's something great to be said about this place. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been a fun work of love. Our team has done such a good job in building out all this stuff and, and getting things set up. Um, it's a fun place to be able to talk and, and have good conversations. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, again, I'm super pumped to have you on here today. And uh, I really just wanted to touch on your background a little bit. I know you kind of sent it to me earlier about your experience of working for, for various media companies. And I'd love before that, if you just kind of let the listeners know, you know, where you grew up and a little bit about yourself, Tim. Sure, sure. So I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I was actually born in New Jersey, uh, Red Bank, New Jersey, but it was only there about eight months and uh, went to Atlanta. So I call Atlanta home. Uh, and that's where I spent most of my time through my childhood. Uh, when I'm up north, I was born in New Jersey. When I'm down south, I grew up in Atlanta. So I claim dual citizenship. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so grew up down there, uh, then went up to Boston College for, uh, for school and jumped around after that, went to grad school at Northwestern for a journalism degree, 
and then did the TV thing for a while for about 10 years and uh, and then started up Spiracle back in 2011. Nice, nice. So <coughs> growing up, you, you mentioned obviously you kind of hopped in the journalism space. Were you growing up as a kid around that media landscape or... Yeah, you know, it's funny. My brother is eight years older than me, uh, and he got into journalism uh, when he got out of college, became a reporter, uh, then climbed his way up and is now an anchor for Fox News. Mm. Um, And so I had seen him enjoying what he was doing. It was something different every day. It was fun. Um, the only tweak I put on is that I wanted to do sports instead of news. And, uh, and so, yeah, I really followed in his footsteps, to be honest, and, uh, and loved it. I mean, I, I just had so much fun. Um, you know, everybody talks about that being a dream career. It is to a point. Um, there are nights and weekends you're working when everybody else is having a beer and you're actually at the mm-hmm. event working. Um, but you get to see some amazing things uh, in person, get to experience them, get to meet a lot of um, amazing people that have done some crazy stuff. And, uh, and so I, I don't regret it at all. I think it was a great period of my life. Um, but I definitely transitioned uh, when I came into Spiracle and started that up because I think I was ready to have, you know, Monday through Friday um, and start working, you know, toward having a family and those kind of things. And so there was a work-life balance mm. deal that I really wanted to work on. It's funny that you say when you switch to entrepreneurialism, a lot of people say, you're going to be working 80 hour weeks and all those kind of things. I think when Jared and I uh, started Spiracle, we really did want to focus on that work-life balance. And so that's been something that's been important for us as we've grown up too. Mm, so that's kind of like instilled naturally into the company culture, you'd say? For sure. For sure. It's really important. I think, you know, we definitely work hard and we work hard with our partners, but I think when um, there's an opportunity to blow off some steam or get away or do some time with the family, that's, we're definitely big on that too. Yeah, definitely. So would you say kind of backing up to, to what it was like growing up, would you say you kind of adopted at an early age, like strong work ethic, entrepreneurial principles, things around that nature, or where did all that come from? You know, I, I don't know that I would say that was like right out of the gate. I think uh, I was a procrastinator by, uh, by, I don't know, bringing up. I don't know how you'd say it, but I procrastinated so much. I'd wait to the last minute to do papers, to do all those kind of things. Um, and it actually ended up working out really well for the standpoint in, in journalism and in TV. You know, you don't really have the opportunity to pra- procrastinate. You just have a deadline. And yeah. so um, what I was able to do is work on deadline really well because I had spent so many years pushing off things until the deadline that really when it came time to have to hit deadlines, I could do that. Um, and so that transitioned well into, you know, being an entrepreneur. I think the, the funny thing was is that business moved much slower than television. You know, every day at the end of the day at a 10 o'clock show, you finished it, you put a bow on it, and you had accomplished something. Uh, whereas when we started business, you know, it was weeks if you until you closed the deal. And and so that to me, it took definitely took an adjustment switching over from that daily sort of feeling of accomplishment to having to drag these things out for, you know, weeks, sometimes months even with some of those deals. Yeah. How, how do you think you adapted to, to have that patience? Because that can be a huge struggle with uh, entrepreneurs starting to grow their business, you know? It totally uh, threw me for a loop. And fortunately, I was in a situation with Jared as a business partner. And actually, we had a third partner in the beginning, Bill Voth, uh, who now works with the Carolina Panthers. But um, it was a really good open room where we could be open and honest about what we were feeling. Um, And you had somebody to bounce off the stuff that you were dealing with. And so um, that would be my biggest thing that I think was a benefit for us. And if I'm doing an experience share on that is that having a partner, um, just makes you feel like you're not alone. Whereas sometimes in, uh, starting a business, you feel like you're on an Island. Yeah. Um, and in that case, when you have somebody else in there with you, it really does help. Yeah. How 
do you think you go about finding co-founders like that? I know, I know it can be difficult. So it is. You know, it, uh, ironically, I, uh, Jared and and Bill and I all worked in TV together. Um, so we were friends. Jared and I were actually roommates with a couple other guys in a house in Wesley Heights um, back in the day, and. Uh, we would sit up at night having a beer and sort of saying, okay, what's next? Mm. You know, we love Charlotte. We don't want to leave here. In media, in order to grow, you have to jump around to different markets. Um, and so we really stried, tried to find that next thing that was going to allow us to stay here and still use the background of what we had done and what we had grown up doing for, you know, 10, 12 years each. And so that's how we came up with the idea for Spherical. I will say that I didn't know going into it how much of a marriage being a partner is. Um, and you are locked in with that person uh, yeah. for better or worse. And, uh, and it, it actually is, it's been great. And I'm very fortunate in what, what, what our relationship's been like. But I will say that you are definitely, it is like a marriage. You are at each other's throat sometimes. You're, you know, one person's down, one person's up. You got to pull the other person up. Um, and so at the end of the day, it all came down to communication. But it is, you know, they say don't do friends you know, I think I like doing business with friends. I think yeah. you get a lot more done. And I think if you're honest with each other, um, you can get around that whole piece. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we touched on this a little bit uh, back in March when we were grabbing a few uh, beers. You mentioned, uh, you know, you're obviously working with CNN, Fox Sports, having some crazy nights and, and working weekends. Like, at what point were you like, okay, I'm going to go start my own thing because I know that can be a big pivot? It was a big pivot. I mean, like I said, in, in uh, when we were working, I was at News 14, mm. Jared was at WSOC, Bill was also at WSOC, so all local TV stations here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, we loved what we did. We loved doing those things. There came a point at year six at News 14 that it felt like I was treading water. Mm. It felt like I was doing the same things over. I could wait until, you know, 930 9.45 to really put together a show for 10 o'clock and, wow. you know, throw it together, get out there. I'd run onto the set uh, at 9.50, 9.40, sit down, like tighten my tie. I have shorts and a sandals on underneath the desk. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it just, I, I started to realize that I wasn't really challenging myself. Mm. Um, and then combined with the idea that, you know, my boss at the time, Mike Salarte, is still the sports director there. He's not going anywhere. He's a he's an icon in this market. He loves what he does. He's great at it. And so the room for growth really wasn't there either. Um, and so I didn't want to leave Charlotte. And so we really tried to come up with something that would keep us in Charlotte um, and allow us to still use what we had learned. And I think, you know, we did pretty well on it. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, and we didn't feel like we had a lot to lose. Um, and so I straddled for about a year and a half when we started Spiracle that I still worked in sports mm. um, and still worked my job. Uh, Jared was our first full-time employee, and then Bill shortly after that, and then I was the third one to come on full-time. Yeah, definitely. What would you suggest out there to people who may be in that position of, all right, I want to leave this. Here's an idea I have, but I still need to kind of straddle the, the eight to five for a little bit. How, how can they kind of take some first steps there? Yeah, I mean, you need to do that. I think it. I, I just think it takes a lot of pressure off you. Mm. Now there is a point that you're going to have to jump off, you know, the the diving board and say I'm all in. Yeah. Um, and it is only you probably that will know that moment. In my case, it was really Jared and and Bill sitting me down, and they were like, "You're either in or you're out." Um, mm. And and it was like a slap in the face at the same time it was a wake up call. Like, you know, you're not really putting in the time that you need to be putting in, and so. 
I think that side hustles and, and side hustles that become real businesses are a tremendous thing and a great way to get things started. I just think you, you just need to be aware of feeling when you need to take that thing full time. And sometimes because it's a side hustle, it'll never grow uh, to the level that it could be because you're not putting in all the time you need. But you also need to put food on the table. And if you have a family, you got to be taking care of them. So there are a lot of other factors. We were very lucky in that we were young. We weren't married. Um, you know, so the, the failure quotient wasn't nearly as mar as if I tried to do that today, where I have a daughter who's two and a half years old, I have a wife, like the, the things that go on, it becomes much harder the later you wait. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think that goes back to what you mentioned about choosing your you know business partners carefully because you mentioned they had they set you down like do you think that played a huge part of getting out of that whole eight to five or totally uh it i mean it was completely the difference because it you know it was funny i was like wait a minute i started this thing with you guys how can you tell me to get out <laughs> um and it took me like walking away from the table and sort of being like wait they're actually right i'm you know, not only am I treading water in my nine to five, now I'm, well, really it's a two to 11. It wasn't a yeah. nine to five, but uh, now I'm treading water in this new venture that I'm trying to get off the ground. Um, I can't do that in both places. And so it really did sort of shake me in, you know, maybe a month or so, or maybe even a month and a half after that, I, I resigned and went full time a spiracle. Yeah, definitely. I think those are the, the conversations that help you grow overall as a business leader of like, hey, this needs to be done. You're doing this wrong. I mean, don't you think like challenges like that is actually what helps you grow the most? No question. No yeah. question about it. I think challenges are, you know, um, we actually, we were getting ready to come back to, uh, to the office this past Monday was when we were reopening. And so mm. Friday we did a summit with the team all on zoom and we were all talking and our chief creative officer, David Kernodal does these spiritual summits. And what he, what he does really well is put together a lot of content that, you know, can motivate you, can inspire you, and can get you going. And uh, there was one video was from Jocko. I don't know if you've heard his oh, yeah, podcast. Yeah. The but Navy SEAL guy. Yeah. yeah. And so he, uh, he has this one podcast or one, one uh, statement where he talks about, you know, you have adversity. Something's gone wrong. Good. Mm. Um, and he does it for over and over for all these things. I'm getting goosebumps now actually thinking about the video. <laughs> um, and so if you're out there, go watch it. But what it was was he was looking at, okay, COVID shut us down. We had to get out of the office. Good. We ended up getting better at communicating as a team. We ended up getting stronger um, through that. You know, we had to find new ways to do what we did remotely. Mm. Um, video capturing is hand to hand. You're in person with people. We had to find new ways to be able to produce content for partners. So, um, so I totally agree that every time you have adversity, you definitely grow. And there are some pain points that come with that. Yeah. But on the other side of pain, there is always growth. Yeah, definitely. I think I heard a quote one time. It was, you know, your setbacks are usually your setups in life because you're forced to adapt, you're forced to get creative, and you're forced to, like, try out new opportunities, you know? Totally agree. Yeah, definitely. So I was doing some research on y'all, obviously, and I saw that you started in, like, it was a 10-foot by 10-foot kind of closet area? Like, like what did. was it like when you first started? Yeah, it's funny. We So like I said, Jared and I lived together. So at very, very beginning, we were working out of our house over on Summit Avenue in Wesley Heights. Mm -hmm. We had uh, five guys lived in a six-bedroom house. Uh, Murphy, my dog who's here right now, was there. He was born and, and uh. living there at the time. Uh, so it was like animal house slash, you know, um, I don't know, old school. But, um, but when we finally got our first office, it was actually Mac Lackey, 
uh, was running Kick at the time, which was an online uh, marketplace for soccer, and then it became some other things. But he needed some video. And so we traded video with him to get some space. And so this space was, yeah, it was like a 12 by 12 cinder block room with no windows, and every wall had a whiteboard on it. And uh, we would go into this room, which in some ways could be depressing, but we had all of these ideas on the whiteboard. <laughs> and it was such a cool setup to be able to do that. And then to be involved or in the building with you know, a startup that was really sort of feeling that they were young, they had young people in there mm. doing coding, all this kind of stuff. They had a foosball table. So while it felt, you know, you look back on it and you're like, you're in a 12 by 12 cinder block room. Um, we met so many great people through that, uh, through Kick, and and uh, and it really started us on our way. Um, and so, yeah, we look back on that fondly for sure. Yeah, definitely. What what would you have out there advice wise for people just starting out, but they're kind of having a negative mindset of oh, I wish I was in a bigger office or I wish I had this high rise. Like, I, how do you kind of? Because it seems like you were super positive about it. Like I was, and and the other piece is, is I mean, if anything, we just came off of COVID. Um, we're still coming off of it. It's not done. But, yeah, yeah. But um, we proved you don't need an office to accomplish right. what you can do. Um, with technology today, with the way things are going, people accept the fact that you're maybe sitting in the home office and working. Yeah. Um, they accept that you know it's a Zoom call and maybe there's a kid in the background screaming mm. or crying. Um, our tolerance for things that maybe really annoyed us three, four months ago has completely flipped. And so I think that you just need to be careful um, what you get yourself into as far as expenses. You want to keep your overhead as low as you can and so that you can run as far as you can. And so, um, you know, we're sitting in a big space now here in South End, but for the longest time, I mean, if you kick piece was, was a trade. So that was, you know, no money for us. It was just time. Yeah. yeah. Um, which as a young business, that was phenomenal. And I still think back to this day, I always talk to them and, and catch up with them. And, and I always tell them that story about how, you know, it really got us our footing and got us set up and, and working for real. Um, but I just don't think that you need to rush to get in an office. Yes, we're on the back end of COVID and co-working is, you know, who knows what that's going to look like. Um, but that's a great spot that you can get something for, you know, 150, 200 bucks a month and you have access to a lot of space. Plus you're in an ecosystem where there are other uh, startups and businesses that you could either work with, get ideas from. Um, so I'm I'm not big on having to get a big office early. I think you might have to grow into that at some yeah. point, but now coming off of COVID, I think it's it's not nearly as important. Yeah. Plus, like I think if you take some time and and, and pour some patience there, you can kind of adapt and say, okay, like what can I do today to to actually get to that goal that I want to be at, rather than just seeking some venture capital and then moving into an office just because you got some funding. You know. Totally. Yeah, I think it causes you to be a lot more adaptive to the situation, if you will. Yep. Yeah, so what was it like, and you mentioned Mac's name, what, what was it like like getting your first actual paid-for client? Because I know in your landscape, it, it is fairly competitive. I don't know about how competitive in Charlotte, but I know kind of worldwide it is. So what was that like kind of going through those barriers, getting that first customer? So we were fortunate in that we were coming from um, – journalistic world, sports mm. world, we had a lot of connections in Charlotte. We had met a number of people over our years here. And um, <clears throat> so two first clients that I would remember or think about, uh, the first actual very, very first client was Euphoria Yogurts, which by the way, no longer exists, but not our fault. Um, but they were an up and coming yogurt brand. I don't know if you remember this back in like the late 2010, 2011, these 
yogurt companies were blowing up. It was, you know, all the rage that you could go make your own yogurt <laughs> yeah. and put your own toppings on it. It was this huge thing. Um, so Euphoria was, their CEO was actually based here. Jared, my business partner, his wife was their nanny. Wow. And so we got talking to Luke Tashi um, and told him, you know, hey, this whole social media thing is really big. This is where your customers are at. You want young people that are talking and sharing about your brand. And this is the story you need to be telling. And so um, they took a lark on us. They paid us $5,000 a month, um, which was crazy on their part, I think. And now looking back on it. <laughs> but it was true because we were, we were working our butts off. We were young and scrappy. And so mm. they were getting everything they could get out of us. And so, you know, we were going around doing live social media contests, hiding gift cards in different places around Charlotte. It was, <laughs> it was this huge thing. And there was this buzz that we created uh, with them, which was really cool. Pun intended, because that was the whole thing with Spherical Media. We create buzz. And um, it was really, really fun. And so that was a great out of the gate um, client to work with. They ended up growing too fast and basically pulled themselves thin and they ended up having to shut down a lot of stores and, yeah. and that ended it. So I think there might be a couple stores still in Atlanta, but, mm. um, but in reality, they just grew too fast. Now TCBY has taken their spot over on Selwyn Avenue, which was like their prime location. Um, our second client was Steph Curry. Um, so great second client to have. Um, and we knew Steph from covering him at Davidson. Mm, yeah. And so he had come back to Davidson for the summer to take classes because he still doesn't have his degree finished. They won't retire his jersey there until wow. he finishes his degree, just as a little factoid for you. Huh. Um, and he still plans to finish that degree from everything he tells us. Um, but St Steph was back. Um, social media and, and athletes and sports were really starting to, to you know, pick yeah. up steam. Uh, if you think back to 2011, it still wasn't really that huge. The only people that were really doing well were like Shaq, um, and a few others, and but they were starting to see the the buds of money coming through that as a stream, and so we pitched it to Steph, and he was like, you know, it sounds awesome, let's do it, and so we ran Steph's uh, social media, built his website, and did video with him for his first three years in the league. Wow! Um, and it was awesome. It was uh, it was really fun. It just there came a point though that he was in Golden State in, in San Francisco. We were here in Charlotte. Yeah. And he needed somebody there with him. And so if we were going to continue that relationship, we, one of us would have had to move out there. Um, and that just wasn't happening. So eventually, uh, Under Armour came in and took over all that stuff, which was fine. That was great. But, uh, but we had a really good experience with him and running, uh, you know, a lot of fan interaction stuff, a lot of different mm. stuff. So, so we grew through that. So those were our first two clients out of the gate, which was really fun. Um, and then we just kept kept gaining steam from there. Um, it came time in about, I think end of 2012, 2013, this was, um, we'd lost one of our big social media clients. Mm. Bill was still feeling the itch to do journalism. Yeah. And so he started a website called Black and Blue Review that, that basically covered the Panthers the way you needed to cover them as a digital um, media outlet. And we supported him completely. We helped build the website. Um, and he really it took off and he did really well with it. And so at that point, we bought Bill out, bought him out of the company. And then it was Jared and I. And Bill really was the guy that was behind the social media um, mm. piece for us. And so we pivoted the company to all video storytelling. Um, and that's where we grew from. And so we hired Dave Kernodal, who is now a partner in the company. Um, and we've now grown to 16 people. Wow. And um, 
yeah, it's been a it's been a really fun fun ride. So that was 2013 till today. Um, it's been a good growth track. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What was your your mindset like trying to acquire those those first two clients? And additionally, what was the mindset like with those two clients? Because those are pretty two first first time high profile clients. So like, can you kind of walk us through that? I think we were cockier than we probably deserved to be. <laughs> yeah. If I'm being honest. Um, we, being in media, we had had a little bit of an advantage of getting ahead of the curve on Twitter and, mm. and social media and all those different things. And so, you know, we could speak to a lot of things where it was still an unknown for a lot of people. Yeah. And, um, and so that gave us uh, some gravitas in the room, I think. And, um, and it wasn't all BS. And, uh, and I, think, I think that's really what helped us get through that. I mean, we were on edge waiting to see if we could get, this, uh, get these deals and get them to come through. And, um, and they did. And, and it, was, it was such a high. I mean, I've never felt mm. you know, like such a high. When, when your win is your win, it's just such a cool, cool different feeling than like, you know, I don't know, winning an award in, in journalism or something like that. It was for the station. It was for you know, the coverage of the team and all that stuff. But you know, when we got wins with Spiracle, we knew it was something that we had created. And so yeah. that buzz and that feeling that you get off of that is is really, really fun. And I still feel that today when we get a big project. Mm. And then when I see what our team is able to produce, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's really fun. Yeah. Does, does that kind of buzz that you get and that, and that, you know, quote unquote high, does that keep you going when things are going bad? Would you say? No question. Um, that's one. And then I think, um, the team we've been able to build here has really, um, you know, inspired me. I, I was mm. talking about going through COVID. I mean, these last two and a half, three months, um, you know, we met every morning at 9 a.m., every afternoon at 4.30 as a team on Zoom call or Google chat. And um, there was just such a, you know, you, you emotionally ride roller coasters, especially during this stuff when you don't know what's going to be the outcome. How are we going to get through this? How's it going to happen? Um, and so, but to see all those people come together and then, you know, we weren't having that much work for a little while. So then we started focusing inwardly and started doing, you know, content that we could push out as a team. Um, it was pretty, it's, it's just, that's the kind of stuff that gets you really excited to, to walk in the door and get out of bed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Joe, it looks like you know, this is my first time being here and sitting down and talking to you and it looks like you guys have some amazing like company culture. Um, and I think that obviously goes back to, it's kind of you leading the ship as the CEO. Like, how did you transition from founder level to your like scrappy founder to CEO to actually leading a team? Because I know that can be a hard transition. You know, it's funny. First of all, it's not just me. So that's yeah, the first yeah. thing. I wouldn't ever take that credit alone. Um, second of all, you know, we uh, we just <laughs> for a number of years we had a CFO, Cass Ward, mm. and then I was director of business development. Jared was you know creative control or something like that. We didn't have anybody else in the C suite. Um, and we sat down at one of, we do a retreat every year with the team and we sat down and we were like, all right, listen, we got to actually have titles that match what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. And so this is literally only two years ago, probably that we started pulling the title stuff. So I don't really identify necessarily with the title. I think it's good to have and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. But, um, but really it's, it's been, um, Jared, Dave and I now really working hard to think through, you know, what's going to be best for the people we work for. And what's mm. going to be best for the people that we work with? Yeah, and we always try and combine those two in all the decisions that we make. Mm. Um, 
And we've really tried to, you know, it's cheesy that people say it's like a family and all that kind of stuff, but we have really tried to think of it that way. Um, and people will come and go and that's going to happen. Um, but we have really tried to instill that with everybody we work with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that goes to show too, especially in a city like Charlotte where, you know, it is a city, but people do talk. So I think having that company culture, especially in a sort of relatively smaller city like this is super important. I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. What, uh, so, so what were some like failures you had along the way? I know there's, there's probably a few maybe coming to mind, but, (laughs) um, so, I mean, the story I always tell on, on podcasts when I talk, so I'm sorry I've told this before, but I'm going to still, <laughs> your audience has probably not heard it before, um, <clears throat> is that client that we lost. Um, so we were, this was another retainer client. We were doing social media for them, running all of their accounts, doing all that kind of stuff, um, and doing some fun stuff. But I think they had an agency that they had worked with before in Florida that they were still thinking about going back with. They weren't sure that agency was doing some of their other marketing. So they didn't know if they were going to loop it together. Long story short, we, we hired Dave his second week working with Spiracle. We have a meeting with the marketing director and their director of business development. And I said, all right, Dave, you should come with us. This is one of our biggest clients. You got to come meet them, see what they're all about, all that kind of stuff. And it turned out that the marketing director's birthday was that day. So we went and picked up a cake, brought it into the, to the meeting, and we set the cake down. And we're like, hey, how's it going? Happy birthday, all this stuff. And we literally sit down, and he's like, well, guys, we're going to have to go in a different direction. No way. it was like this awkward moment where I was like, do we eat the cake? Or <laughs> what are we doing? And... I remember Dave, you know, looking at me like, oh, crap, what did I get myself into? Mm. I just left a good paying job to take this leap with you guys. And now you just got fired by your biggest client. Yeah. Um, And we walked out of there and the guys were pretty down. And I said, listen, let's let's act like this is a blessing. Let's celebrate. And so we went down and went out and had a nice lunch. And they were all like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, listen, this is going to pave the way for what we're going to do in the future. Mm. And that firing was the exact moment that we pivoted from social media to just video storytelling. Um, they were our biggest social media client. We had other ones, but we were like, this doesn't make sense. Let's, let's do what we know. Um, and it really led to us changing the trajectory of the company and growing to where we are today. Wow. So that one situation led to that whole pivot? It really was. Yeah. Wow. Did, did you eat the cake, though? No, they kept the cake. <laughs> and I ran into him about four years later at the Wells Fargo Championship. Oh, yeah. And we were catching up. And I said, you know, you still owe me a cake. Uh, and he laughed. And ironically, we've done a number of video projects with them since. And they've spent more with us doing video than they did the whole time that we did their social media. So um, it's also a lesson in not burning bridges mm. and, and being mature in the room and understanding that, you know, these things happen and you just got to be, be good at all points. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly young, right? But like every internship or job I've ever had, no matter if it ended good or bad, I always try to keep the bridge smooth because you never know when you guys are going to interact again in the future. And totally, you know, you, they could start their own thing need your help. You could start your own thing later in life and try to get business from them. So I think to your point, I think it's super important to keep those bridges stable. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's also just for a superficial reason. I think, just being a good person in yeah. general, uh, it pays off. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So you mentioned earlier, you know, you have uh, obviously your dog sitting here with us. You, you have a wife and a, and a daughter. 
and obviously, you know, you run your own company with, with your partners. Like, how, how do you really implement time management? I know that can be tough. I'm awful at it. Really? I'm, I'm really, really bad. Um, my, my land of procrastination has followed me. Oh, this, um, going back there, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, so, actually, this past year, um, we added an executive assistant to the, to the team. And that has changed my life um, because it definitely keeps me organized, keeps yeah. me on task. Um, I have a lot of stuff coming at me. And so keeping track and keeping up with it sometimes can be a little much. Um, and so it has been such a valuable position, not only for me, but for Jared. And um, she helps with a lot of other stuff. And so for me, that's been the biggest change. Um, and I think that you know, as far as work-life balance, you know, we try to get the team in at nine and out the out the door at five if we can. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Jared and Dave and I try and do the same thing. Yeah. So um, I think that we've done well. And now I'll go and you know, after I put my daughter to bed, I'll go get back on my computer and do emails and catch up on stuff. But I try not to do that as much as possible. I think um, I think we can get enough work done during the day that we can we can get it all finished. for sure. First off, shout out to, to your executive assistant. She definitely helped me put this podcast together. <laughs> That's right. So That's she's right. great. Yeah. So I think I think with your point about time management, everything can get done in those hours. And lately, I've been doing so, some four day weeks because I've been taking Fridays off to go, you know, to Charleston or Greenville, and I've had exponentially more productive weeks with those four day weeks than a five day week. So I think that's kind of odd, but kind of a blessing at the same time, you know. Yeah, and it does happen that way. I think when you know that there's you know, a carrot on the stick, something that you're working toward that, you know, you can be more diligent, get more stuff done in a short amount of time, be more organized. Um, it frees you up to do those kind of things where you're going away for three day weekends. And, um, you know, I, I just think that there's times that we need breaks while we're working and that yeah. kind of stuff. But I think, uh, if you plow through stuff, you can, you can get a lot done in a short amount of time. Yeah, definitely. So what would you say advice wise, anybody out there who who may feel stuck because I'm sure you guys had a few of those moments, whether it's stuck getting clients, stuck starting their company, stuck in their career. Like how do you, how can you get out of that? I find, so I felt stuck during this COVID thing. Mm. Um, I mean, there was a moment that I was like, are we going to make it? Um, definitely worried. We kept everybody on, nice. um, which was really our single biggest goal. Yeah. Um, but there were definitely moments that emotionally I felt like, I went in the gutter, then I was high, then I was in the gutter, and it was just, mm. I couldn't imagine what my wife had to go through on the other side of that. Um, she, would, she would, in the morning, I'd be like, all right, this is good, we got this. And then by the end of the day, I'd be beat down, and I'd be like, oh my God, I don't know if we're gonna make it. And she's like, you just told me this morning we got this, what, what are you talking about? Um, so it was like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. I think the, <clears throat> the biggest thing for me is communicating that mm. um, and sharing those feelings, because if you keep it all in, um, you can definitely get in a rut and you can be self-defeating in a lot of ways. And so um, my you know, thing I always go back to is communication because I think that if you have somebody that's either a partner in the situation or a spouse or even a good friend, um, letting that out is, is cathartic. And yeah. you know, even if they don't have an answer, which most times they won't, um, it's just the act of you putting it out there takes a lift off your shoulders and I think gives you, uh, gives you that chance to you know, sort of work your way through it. Yeah, and I think sometimes people, if they're in that stuck moment, just need somebody to listen to, you know? Yep, totally. Yeah, definitely. So what would you say with your journey you've been on so far, your one word uh, to, subs to describe the success that you've had so far? Optimism. 
Mm. Um, Jared and I work really well as a yin and yang. I keep my head in the clouds a lot of times, and he brings me back down to the ground. Um, I like to think big picture. He likes to think tactics and and uh, organization. Nice. Um, and so we, and you know, it's funny, we didn't know that going into this whole thing, um, but we have really been able to work well as a, as a partnership in that way. I think that has, you know, totally given us the ability as a company to strive for crazy big goals, you know, be hags, um, but at the same time, be grounded and actually execute and get things done um, that need to get done. So those, that yin and yang for me has been good. And I try to always remain optimistic when I get into a negative flow, I got to go, you know, take the dog for a walk, go work out, do something to yeah, yeah. clear my head because my natural set is supposed is for me is optimism. Yeah. I love that self-awareness too, of being able to actually recognize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So Tim, where can people connect with you? You know, what's, what's next for Spiracle? Like I'd love for you just to open up there. Sure. So we are, um, we're back. We're back in business. Uh, we were in business the whole time, but we're back in the office, which is awesome. Um, our website, spiraclebuzz.com, has a ton of information about us, what we do. Um, during this whole COVID thing, we built a whole section on video tips. So for people that are thinking about starting video for their company, wanting to either do it themselves or have a company like us do it for them, it walks you through a lot of the different things to think through when you're going into that process. Um, there's just a lot of resources on there for people that are um, trying to tell their story. Nice. I think um, the single biggest thing that any business can do is to tell their story well. It doesn't have to be through video with us. Um, it's just knowing your story and being able to say it uh, clearly and and bring people along the journey that you've had. I think that is the single best thing that you can uh, you can accomplish as a business owner. Um, and then for us, you know, right now we've got our four areas of focus. So Ariel, which <clears throat> actually got uh, shown off last night uh, in the Charlotte agenda because we mm. were getting uh, we had our drone flying uptown oh, shooting yeah. over the Black Lives Matter uh, mural that's on Tryon. Um, so we got some of those pictures and those went you know viral. Uh, so we have an aerial side, full drone pilots that are certified, insured that whole piece, which is really big um, in this space. We obviously do video storytelling um, all the way from big commercials down to social media videos. Um, we do podcasts like we're here right now in our studio, so audio production. And then the fourth uh, piece is, why am I not thinking of it, aerial audio Live streaming. Oh, nice. Man, I was about to go blank there. <laughs> so live streaming has obviously become a huge thing right now in this post-COVID world or this COVID world that we're in. Um, and so we've been doing a lot of that for partners, mm. trying to take people beyond the Zoom meeting and actually give them something that has some higher quality to it um, and gives them a little bit more options. Yeah, Is that live stream on like LinkedIn, Instagram, or...? Yeah, so we do live stream on all different platforms. A lot of times um, right now, events that were scheduled to be in person are now having to move online. And so we're building out, you know, landing pages for them that people that have bought a ticket or something like that can come through password protected and get to that landing page and watch whatever that program is. Nice, nice. So again, best place to connect with your company would be LinkedIn or just the website? Or- LinkedIn, website. We're on Instagram, Twitter, the whole shoot and match. It's all Spherical Media. Um and then the website is spiraclebuzz.com. Ah, uh, nice. That, that's where the buzz comes in. Right? That's right. <laughs> it's so the spiracles are the tiny holes in the bee that make the buzzing sound. Oh. So that's uh, how the name came about. Wait, real quick. How did you come up with that name? <clears throat> we uh, we had thought of, we wanted to have our cut line be We Create Buzz. 
Uh, so some serious late night Googling, uh, <laughs> yeah. and we found all the different parts of the bee and everything and came across spiracles being the thing that lead to the buzzing sound. And so it, it totally was a good connection. Plus the website spiracalmedia.com was available. And so was spiracle yeah. buzz. So, uh, so yeah, so that, that's been, uh, that's been the name and that's, that's how we came up with it. Nice. Love it. Well, Tim, I appreciate you hopping on the uh, podcast. I'm sure the listeners definitely got a lot of value of really like how to kind of scale that company at that level as well as just overall business operations. So really appreciate you sitting down here today. It was an honor. I had a lot of fun and uh, good luck to you on all of this. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to check out Spherical Media. They have some amazing, innovative content and have worked with a lot of powerful brands. Other than that, please leave a review of Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think. And last but not least, as we like to say here, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success.